Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the John Cast. My name is John Jorgensen, and we are studying the Gospels. I want to start this episode with a question. Have any of you heard of the soap method? Now, I don't mean like washing your hands with soap, although great idea still, especially I think it's always a great idea, but especially in our day today, wash your hands. Uh, But that's not what we're talking about. SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. And it is the method of studying the Bible that I was taught most often as a kid, more actually as a student, probably middle school or high school is when I was first introduced to it. It was very, very popular. You would get a journal. We called them our soap journals. And that's what we would use to study the Bible. You start by reading the scripture, then making observations about what you've read, then figuring out how to apply that scripture, and then praying that God, through the Holy Spirit, will help you to apply that to your life. That is how I studied the Bible for years. Uh, Maybe you learned a similar method, uh, or maybe you used uh, other types of devotionals, or maybe you did character studies, maybe you did the Bible in a year at one point. There are a million and one ways uh, to study or apply the Bible, but what I want to do in today's episode is I want to share the technique that has been most helpful for me, especially recently, especially when talking about how we can study and apply the Gospels, which is really our next step in this uh, summer reading series. So, in his book, Read the Bible for a Change, uh, Ray Lubeck provides what he calls the four-step Bible study. And this, you'll come to see, is a lot like soap, but very, very different. Uh, The first step that Lubeck gives is seeing seeing. And by that, he simply means asking who, what, where, when, and how questions of the text. So this is somewhat similar, or I guess it's more of a a combination between scripture and observation in the SOAP method. Uh, Lubeck sort of combines those two into one, the first step being seeing. So we ask questions like, who wrote this book? Uh, What is the main idea that is being promoted throughout it? When in history was this book written? At what time? Uh, Where does the action take place in this story? If it's a narrative, is the action taking place at a well? Is it in a garden? Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Is there a certain ancient festival that it occurs during? How, then, finally, uh, like how does this author communicate or choose to communicate this passage, a.k.a. through what genre is this author choosing to say these things? All of these questions and a million more are extremely important for us to ask anytime we're confronted with a passage. And I pulled a quote from Lubeck's book. He says that we show honor to God when we observe Scripture, a.k.a. seeing. Bible reading should be about receiving what God has given rather than, quote, getting from it what appeals to us. And I loved that quote so much because so much of my Bible reading and so many conversations that I have with people surround studying the Bible, you probably have had them as well. They go a little bit like this. You're sitting in small group, you read a passage in front of everyone, And then the question is, what did you get out of it? And I think that's a 
fine, okay question to ask, but I think what Lubeck is trying to turn us towards is instead of starting from a place of what I read into the text or what I got out of the text, let's simply honor the the original author, meaning both God and the human that God wrote it through, by simply observing what is there. I think seeing the text means humbly coming before the words of the passage and observing as objectively as we can, observing all of the elements at play, observing the setting, observing, observing the characters, observing the facts surrounding who wrote it and when. And when we do this, when we see the scripture well, we are set up for step two. Second step is understanding. Understanding uh, takes us one level deeper and asks, what does the text mean? Now we're getting away from just the facts of the text and into the meaning of it. But again, it's important that we don't skip right to what does this text mean to me? But rather, the things that we seek to discover in the understanding step is we look for what the author is claiming to be true. What truth claims is the author making? Uh, We seek to discern the author's main purpose based on how they structure the text, repeated words, things like that. What do we think the author's main purpose was in writing the text, we trace the author's uh, flow of thought through the passage. We notice connections and similarities and parallels and contrasts. And we ask the question, what does all of this mean? What is the author trying to say or communicate? Again, this is less about the physical facts or layout of the passage. That's what we notice during the seeing step. Understanding is more about listening for the heart and the meaning behind the words. So we have seeing, we have understanding, then we get to step three, sharing. This step asks the question, what truth is the text teaching? And this is a step that took me a while to really understand what it actually is. It's a bit confusing to define, but it is so important for us to understand. So please try and stick with me and I'll do my best to explain it the best that I can. This step searches for what Lubeck calls a, quote, shared truth or a theological truth with a capital T. In other words, when reading, you're asking what is the underlying or universal concept or prescription that is being communicated through this text? And there are many different parties involved in that. In a shared truth, it it is something that is communicated first by God. But of course, this truth is communicated by God through the author. And of course, this truth is communicated by God through the author to their original audience. But because it has been included in the canon of scripture, it is also in this truth is also being communicated for the benefit of a future audience. And a shared truth, a good biblical shared truth, according to Lubeck, is one that applies and remains for all four of those parties, God, the author, the original audience, and the future audience. I know it's confusing a little bit, but I think it'll help illuminate it through an example. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives his classic teaching on prayer. 
in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So, what is the shared truth in this passage? Well, you could say that the shared truth is he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. So you could say, or you could try and say that the shared truth is don't pray out loud in the synagogues or on street corners. However, not many of us today in our context struggle with praying in the synagogue out loud or on the street. What's happening there is Jesus is, that is a cultural application or example that he's using. It's not necessarily a universal shared truth. You could also say that, okay, well, then this text is telling you to every time you pray to go into your room behind closed doors and pray privately to God. However, I know very few Christians who exclusively pray in private behind closed doors. Pretty much every Sunday at a church service, you are praying in front of a group of people. So that doesn't really seem to work because it is a contextual example that Jesus is using. He's using it almost as in hyperbole in that time and place. Again, it's not an eternal shared truth. One of the ways, one way of stating what I believe to be the shared truth in this specific passage is that prayer is not meant to be used as a currency to obtain status among other people, but rather prayer at its core is an act of intimate communion with God. And that theological statement, that is consistent with who God is, it was true in Jesus' day, and it is true now. We all share that truth. Does that make sense? I hope that illuminates it a little bit. Of course, though, we can't stop with study, right? We can't stop. Once, once we do the steps of seeing, understanding, and then sharing, we cannot stop there. And another quote from Lubeck here that I love, he said, the Bible has achieved its goal of transforming us when we prove that we are willing participants in its truth claims. Once we recognize what that shared truth is, the next step is becoming a willing participant in living out that truth. Remember, we've talked about this many times throughout this series. The point of reading the Gospels and the Bible as a whole is not just information, it's transformation. It's meant to change the way that we live. And this is where we have to get to our fourth step, responding. This is the application part. This is where we ask, okay, I've studied, I've read, so what? What do I do now? And Lubeck has an interesting way of framing this. He says uh, that in any passage, the reader can discover what he calls either outward behaviors or inward attitudes that we can adopt. And I want to be clear, it's not either or, but there are many passages where both of these things, both outward behaviors and inward attitudes, are being called for and being prescribed. Inward attitudes might include things like peace, 
patience, reverence towards God. These are things that happen within us. And we discover these by asking the question that we talked about last week. When we're reading a text, we ask, what is God wanting to do in me through this text? What is he wanting to grow? What is he wanting to change? Then outward behaviors would include things like generosity, honesty, service, aka what is God wanting to do through me? What action is God wanting me to take? What conversation is he wanting me to have? What new practice is he wanting me to adopt? So that's sort of one way of thinking about it, uh, looking for outward behaviors and inward attitudes. But another one that I want to give you, another way of looking at responding to the text that I really enjoy that actually comes from Jonathan Pennington's book that we've talked about a lot in this series. Uh, Pennington talks about uh, a God-centered focus of responding. Uh, He says, our first and foundational point of application should be about God and his gracious presence with us, not about human response. So Pennington's way of looking at this is not to immediately skip to, okay, now what do I do? But to instead start with the question of, what is this passage revealing about the character of God? What is this passage showing me about who God is and God's heart? And then asking, if that is true, what is the proper human response to such a God? So, so that's a slightly different, but I think related way of potentially responding to what we are reading in the Gospels. So there we have it, uh, Lubeck's four-step Bible study. We have seeing or observing all of the facts of the text, understanding searching for the meaning behind or underneath the text, sharing, discovering the universal shared theological truth through the text, and then responding, adopting the outward behaviors and the inward attitudes that reflect the character of God that are being described in the text. Seeing, understanding, sharing, responding. It's not a good acronym like SOAP. It's susser, but... I really like this. I really like, I think this is just a much more careful, um, thoughtful way, and I think, therefore, a more faithful way of reading, studying, and applying Scripture to our lives. And I understand, and I want to address here, this might seem like a lot of work. And it kind of is, uh, especially if your normal mode of operation when it comes to Bible study is just to simply read the text and move on. Uh, And that's not me talking down to you or thinking less of you. There are many, many days where I sit down to read my Bible and I read the text and I just move on. There's many days where I don't read at all. So this is not me judging you. Um, This is instead, I think, as close to an ideal way of studying scripture in terms of a technique, as I have found. Um, Because I think what this kind of reading and study and application does is it helps put us in a position where we are most open and ready 
to receive the transformation that God has for us. The transformation that we've been talking about throughout this whole series as being the whole point of reading the Gospels in the first place to transform our lives. But not only does it transform us, but this way of reading and studying and applying Scripture, it also sets us up to bring the kingdom of God down to earth, which was Jesus's whole ministry and point in the first place. And so I will finish off this podcast with an encouragement and what I hope is a challenge to you as well, uh, with one final quote from Lubeck. He says this, becoming an ideal reader of scripture requires my entire being, heart, soul, mind, emotions, actions, and imagination. And so as you go and read the Gospels this week, may you read them with your entire being. May you see, may you understand, may you share with ancient authors and an eternal God the truths of God, and may you respond to them in a loving way that brings God's kingdom down to earth as it is in heaven. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please uh, consider leaving a review. That would be so helpful. I'd love to see those review numbers pop up. That just helps more people find this podcast and then therefore helps more people, I hope, understand the Bible a little bit deeper. Um, If this podcast is encouraging you, please consider joining uh, on our Patreon page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can ensure that these podcasts and my YouTube videos continue to come out week after week. That is all I have for you this week. We have one final lesson uh, in our summer reading series, which we will do next week. But until then, I love you all. Keep being awesome. Awesome.